everybody. Welcome to episode 61 of Track Wrestling's Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton, coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa, joined on the phone by the guru of the track wrestling rankings, David Mirkatani. Welcome back, David. It's always good to be with you, Andy. How are you? Doing well. Rested and recovered after the Beast of the East. That looks like some great wrestling, huh? Phenomenal wrestling. It's an incredible tournament, David. Yeah. Uh, walked in the tunnel for the first time Saturday morning, kids warming up. Uh, huge arena for a high school tournament. 11 mats on the floor at the Bob Carpenter Center there in Newark, Delaware, on the campus of the University of Delaware. And it's the, maybe the closest thing that uh, I've ever experienced um, from a high school standpoint, certainly from a high school st- standpoint, but uh, – also, maybe from any other standpoint, uh, closest to the NCAA tournament that I can remember. Just that kind of environment, the electricity in the air there, and uh, you look up and, you know, such a huge crowd for a high school tournament, and then the wrestling was off the charts, too. I mean, you see a guy in the first round that you thought was pretty good, and he puts it on somebody, and the next round he gets beat 13-2. to two. And then the, <laughs> the guy that beats him gets wiped out in the next round, and so... It was a really fun weekend. Uh, people who put on the Beast of the East uh, treated us like royalty, and, uh, you know, they run a top-notch operation. I mean, those are long days. They uh, squeeze uh, what, about 17, 1,800 matches into two days on 11 mats or a day and a half on 11 mats and uh, do a pretty good job of keeping that tournament rolling. So uh, first-class operation, really enjoyed it. Yeah, those are, you know, I mean, I experienced that sort of on a mini scale with uh, how we were treated at Perry and the same thing. I think track wrestling is really well received by by places. I think that's really cool. Well, David, pretty short, uh, light week on the college front. Um, Had a chance to watch Ohio State and Princeton up close. On Friday night out in Delaware, Reno Tournament of Champions this week, some other duels. I had a chance to get back in time for North Carolina UNI just down the street. Uh, That was a good uh, duel last night, right? It was, yeah, it was a really good duel. It was entertaining, hard fought. Seemed like every match there was something on the line in the closing seconds, whether it be somebody going for a major uh, or just a match being on the line. But uh, hats off to both teams. They really. Uh, brought the effort last night, both sides, and, and it was a tremendous duel. Went down to criteria. Uh, I thought Northern Iowa, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it seems like the criteria rules change all the time, and, and I'm never up to speed on them until it's time to like, sort through them. But, but uh, I, you know, talking to some people on Press Row, you know, everybody there kind of thought that uh, the team point that Northern Iowa lost at 184 was going to cost them the duel. And Doug Schwab even said afterwards he thought the same thing. Uh, but uh, Northern Iowa won on match points, 17-16. Uh, uh, again, tremendous duel, though. 149 pounds, Max Thompson, All-American, started the year ranked third. Troy Heilman uh, up to fourth now. Heilman won his second decision of the season over Max Thompson, 3-2. Really hard-fought match there. Heilman, such a tremendous story this year, David. I was had the chance to talk to Tony Ramos after the duel, and, and he said uh, he started 0-8. You know, 0 and 8 last year. Yeah. And goes from 0 and 8 at the beginning of the year to 
getting it turned around towards the end. I mean, he wins 12 of his last 14 going into the conference tournament, makes it into uh, the NCAAs, and he has carried that momentum on this year. And I, I, I don't know that there's been a more improved wrestler in college wrestling over the course of the last 12 months than, than Troy Heilman. I think you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find somebody that's made that kind of that kind of turnaround, but uh, in talking to Ramos, talking to Coleman Scott afterward, they, you know, both kind of echoed the same things that uh, just a guy that uh, has his ears open, really coachable, works hard, and is really reaping the, the fruits of, of his labor at this point. So uh, that's that's been a tremendous story at 149 pounds this year. Yeah. he, You know, if you would have tried to pick somebody to be a dark horse, you'd have gone really far down the list before – you would have picked that guy. And, you know, 0-8 to, you know, confidence is a chicken and the egg thing big time in, in any sport. But, you know, college wrestling when you're a young guy and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's doubly impressive that he's been able to do that, you know, have the right mentality, that sort of thing, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you got to give Coleman, Coleman Scott and Tony Ramos and the staff there in North Carolina a lot of credit for, you know, bringing him along. I mean, when you're, when you're 0-8 – and there's a lot of dark moments, yeah. Uh, and to to stick with it and and be able to turn it around in season, you know, it's not like he had, you know, nine months of of off season to, you know, get rid of those ghosts. Yeah, but, for sure. I know he works out with Kindig a lot, and I'm friends with Josh, and he thinks the kid's really going to be tough. So I think, you know, training partners, and you saw uh, Kennedy Monday have a big, you know, big couple wins this weekend. Um, they're a team that's kind of disappointed at the last couple of national tournaments. You know, uh, Coleman's first year there, they went, took a step backwards from where they had the year before, where Ramos had been an All-American and wasn't. So, you know, but he was trying to make the team at the same time as an athlete and, you know, recruiting his own guys. So hopefully they've got that ship point in the direction that they want it to be in. Well, David, do you want to jump in the rankings right away, or is there anything else you want to get to before we dive into those? No, let's do that. I mean, there's a there's only you know really a couple high points anyway. It was you know with, with Reno, so let's go ahead and do that. Well, first of all, we got to give a shout to our sponsors and our friends at Resolite. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats from Resolite Zip Mat the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Well, David, as you mentioned, not a lot to talk about in terms of rankings. There wasn't a ton of movement, but uh, I'm going to turn it over to you and just let you have the wheel with where you want to go with this in terms of changes in the track wrestling rankings this week. Well, you kind of taught me. I mean, I've always been a chronological guy, so I mean, I would start with light to heavy, but probably the biggest changes in the rankings this week were 157 in terms of a guy making a substantial jump and how that impacted the team rankings, right, with Hayden Heidley, you know, going up to three. Um, he was at 12, and he was undefeated. North Carolina State has really had a quiet schedule first semester, um, so I don't think he was underranked, 
I just think they hadn't really wrestled anybody yet, you know, sort of the opposite of Arizona State's schedule. But, you know, he won the tournament, beat LaValle in overtime. You were kind of helping me. Um, I was stuck on an, an Amtrak that got stuck for two and a half hours on Sunday coming back from out of town. And we were talking about this, and, you, you know, we kept trying to figure out where – you know, where to put him. And, you know, I think the obvious thing was he had to be above LaValle. And the other obvious thing is that LaValle is really pretty good. He's only had one loss, and he's a national runner-up. So then you look at Heidley's record, and there's really no reason to not have him at three. You know, everybody else below is lost. And he doesn't really have a heavy top ten schedule the, the rest of the year. He, he'll wrestle Micah Jordan, and he'll wrestle Feinsilver in uh, – the ACCs, but, you know, he he could really go in as the number, don't you think he could go into the number, in the Nationals, excuse me, as like the number two seed if Nolf were to beat Kemmer twice, something like that? Yeah, potentially. Potentially, I think a lot depends on, you know, the thing is, though, David, those, those Big Ten guys, their RPI is going to be so high. Yeah. With uh, strength of schedule there. I mean, you know, we've laid it out before, like, what was it, uh, you know, we're sitting there with Tyler Berger at 11, and before you get to him, you've got Nolf from Penn State, Kemmer from Iowa, Richie Lewis from Rutgers, Pentaleo from Michigan, Michael Jordan from Ohio State, Berger from Nebraska, sitting there as a sixth seed, ranked 11th in the country. Right. So those guys are all going to butt heads throughout the, the regular season. You go a little bit further down the road, uh, down the rankings a little bit further, you got Andrew Crone at 20, Jake Short at 22, and we know Jake Short will not stay at 22, whether <laughs> he's probably going to wind up a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, so those guys are going to have tremendous strength of schedule numbers. Uh, you know, they're, I, I think it's going to be hard for, for Heidley to, to jump a lot higher, you know, no, I just maybe think he than could three. Stay. He, could, he stay. could stay at three. I think he could stay at three. I don't know if he can get to two. But that's a uh, huge but, thing for him because that gets him on the bottom half of the bracket from Nolf. Yeah. And, and Nolf feels like the only guy in the bracket that's really sort of unbeatable. You know, like, and I shouldn't say unbeatable, but, you know, just as crazy as this season has been, there's not been a lot of change. I mean, you pointed out, I think, week one, we had a couple number one changes, but there's some guys that feel like they're locks. You know, it feels like Zane's a lock and Nolf's a lock and Snyder's a lock and, you know, guys like that. Um, you know, so there's a lot of weights that feel like they're they're set. And, I mean, those weights especially, you don't want to be in the top half of the bracket. Like, being seated sixth is probably being is probably better than being seated fifth. So yeah. he did himself, a, a, you know, a lot of good this weekend for sure. Um, and if we double back to 125, uh, Ronnie Bresser finally wrestled, and uh, he lost to uh, Eli Hale from Oklahoma State. They're back up, so he dropped. There wasn't a lot of other change there. was interesting to watch Fix beat Sean Fawes. He, he was down 1-0 and didn't pick down and finish the takedown in like the last 8 to 10 seconds of the match to win 2-1. to one. So it kind of shows you, you know, if he were wrestling where he would be ranked, you know, right away. Um 33, not the only sort of major change. And it feels like it's a lot of NC State this week. You know, Tariq Wilson um, enters the tournament um, and uh, or made the finals of uh, – enters the rankings, made the finals of Reno, and he lost to Montori Bridges from Wyoming. So 
um, Bridges, you know, pops back in. We had him at 26 on our board last week, and he had beaten Nathan Boston, so you know, Boston fell a few spots. Uh, 41. The Meredith beat Jack, so it kind of made it easy. Yanni's beaten Meredith. Meredith has beaten Jack, um, even though they wrestled in the All-Star meet. Uh, I mean, we counted that, but anybody who's ever been to a seeding meeting goes, if, you know, you beat me and then I beat you, whoever won the last one would get the seed. So um, that, you know, that's was there. Eli Stickley, we put in, uh, instead of Cole Martin, you know, made some calls and found out that was probably the right thing. And um, he moves in, and Zanetta had lost a match or two, so he fell a little bit. Um, 49, no changes at all. We talked about 57. Um, what was interesting was Sertis won Reno at 49. Yeah. He beat Boo, and Boo is eligible now. It looks like he's won Oklahoma State singlet. Um, I I called or texted Arizona State, and they said to keep ranking Maruka until we hear differently, so that's what we did. But, I mean, that's uh, an interesting development. Uh, at 65, Fogarty um, lost to Demetrius Romero, so he, uh, he fell a few spots. And then Connor Flynn from Missouri – uh, popped in at the bottom of the rankings at 25. Um, 74, Pribish uh, beat Mejias in overtime. And that was kind of a, I mean, they were, it was, they were pretty close. So um, I moved Pribish above Mejias. I didn't know whether or not to meet him in the middle, but, you know, like Mejias will wrestle Jacoby Smith in, in Bedlam and stuff like that. And so some of that will get sorted out. And I think in a lot of this is kind of guys, uh, although South Beach duels kind of dilutes things a little bit, we should see almost all these teams in action in either South Beach duels, uh, Scuffle, or Midlands. So, you know, that kind of sorts a lot of things out too. Really no changes at 84. Um, No changes in the top 22 at 97. Dan Shade beat Schultz, so they sort of flip-flop from 23 to 25. And then at heavyweight, no changes. So it was a pretty quiet week, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, the yeah, team, one thing, team scores changed, though, because of those few changes. Yeah, one thing I want to point out real quick before we give a rundown of the team scores, uh, these rankings were compiled before Monday night's Northern Iowa-North Carolina duel. So you'll see some changes at 197 pounds next week with uh, Dan Shade beating Jacob Holschlag right. there with tw- yeah. 23 over 12. Yeah. Uh, we didn't we didn't miss that. We just had the rankings done before that duel came out. I appreciate you so, saying that so people don't think I missed it. Yeah. We tried to get them out on Monday to get them to all the SIDs and places like that. So. Yep. So we're going to take a look real quick at – the track wrestling team rankings, Ohio State remains number one at 128.5 projected NCAA advancement and placement points. Penn State at number two at 113.5, Oklahoma State at three at 77.5, Missouri at four at 60.5, North Carolina State up to five right on the heels of the Tigers with 60 points. Number six, Michigan, 59. Lehigh at seven with 52. Iowa up to eight at 46. Rutgers at nine at 42.5. And Arizona State slides down to 10 at 41.5. And, 
David, anything in the team race besides what we've already touched upon? Did any of that catch your attention? Is there anything you want to discuss? Yeah, I think there's a huge dogfight for that fourth place team trophy. I mean, obviously you got Missouri, NC State, and Michigan a point and a half apart. Lehigh's less than 10 points behind Missouri at seven, and they got a bunch of guys that are sort of ranked, you know, round of 12, you know, round of 16 guys if they punch through. And then you got Iowa sitting there with 46 points. And I had somebody ask me, where would you rank Spencer Lee and where would you rank Downey? And, you know, I'd have to think about it, but I think even if I just applied the criteria at the beginning of the year for Downey, where if you were a returning All-American, you go above all the non-returning All-Americans, he would be at fourth, which would add 12 and a half points. And Spencer Lee let's just say we put him eighth, you know, just, and I don't even, I think that's might be low, but that's 12 and a half and five and a half. That's 18 more points. You had 18 more points to Iowa's total. And now they're at 64. So, I mean, that's, and then we know, obviously if Ashnault's going to wrestle or not, you know, I'm hearing different things, but it really feels like the Missouri, North Carolina state, Michigan, Lehigh, Iowa, and you've also got Arizona State sitting there at 41 and a half, and that's without placement points from Anthony Valencia and then the Maruka um, search this combination of 41. And I don't think it would shock anybody if Arizona State placed at those two weights. So, you know, that gets them in the 50s. So I think that's going to be fascinating. It feels like it's a two-horse race at the top, and it feels like Oklahoma State's kind of on their own tier for third. I guess something else to point out, and it didn't change our rankings, but Preston Weigel wrestled. So that's, you know, good news for Oklahoma State as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, David, this podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive Digiprint Matt, the only fully customizable map featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, you get a chance to check out the interview that I did the other night with Tom Ryan? I did. Out of Princeton? Yeah. Pretty interesting. He's always, always fun to talk to. Always fun to talk to Tom Ryan, and, you know, I've said this before about other guys. You know, the best interviews aren't interviews, they're conversations, and that's the way it feels with Tom Ryan. It's always a conversation. And I felt like there were a lot of really interesting nuggets in there. One of the things that really struck me was how Ohio State, you know, you talk about how everybody's maybe a lot of stuff's going to get sorted out over over the holiday break Yeah. with mo- most teams going to either South Beach Midlands are the scuffle. Ohio State's going to be at home, and they've stayed at home uh, for the holiday break ever since his first year. And I found that kind of interesting. Like, why why doesn't Ohio State, why don't they compete over the holidays? And his response was pretty interesting to, to me, that he said, you know, he feels like, you know, that time together at family is pretty critical. You know, and, and he realized that after the death of his son, that that's when things changed. You know, that, that they really don't need Ohio State. They really don't need that holiday tournament to get themselves ready for the national tournament, whereas when he was at Hofstra, felt a little bit differently 
about that. So yeah. that was interesting. I think uh, Nathan Tomasello, also some bullet points in that conversation with Tom Ryan, Nathan Tomasello will be back or is expected to be back for the Maryland duel, uh, the first uh, duel that Ohio State will have in January. Uh, Tom Ryan uh, also, you know, we talked about Luke Pletcher and his development. Uh, we talked about Troy Heilman early in the show about uh, the improvement that he made. Luke Pletcher goes from a guy that struggled, lost some matches at Midlands a year ago uh, when he got thrown in there at 141 pounds, better fit now for him at 133. David, he's in the mix to win the title there, I think. Yeah, you touched on a lot of really cool things there while you were talking. I mean, to kind of work backwards, he is in the mix. You you could tell if you've coached, you kind of thought he would struggle at 41 because he's not long. And when you move up a weight, one of the ways you can compensate weight is if you can control distance. And conversely, when you're not long and you're wrestling guys that are eight pounds heavier, a lot of them tend to be longer, which are even harder to get away from when you're on bottom. So getting him down to 33 and obviously the training partners he has there and the coaching he has there with guys like Jay Jaggers, um, you, you knew he would certainly do better, you know, or, you know, probably place higher than he did last year, but, you know, he's been great, you know, and he, you know, he's in the top four guy and he is in the mix and, um, you know, him and Seth Gross would be a super interesting match. Him and Kate Brock, Scotty Parker, you know, those guys that that's all the, you know, they're all interesting matches. Um, you mentioned Tom Ryan talking about the death of his son and the importance of family, um, Eric Guerrero did a let me come into his house and do an interview, which is up on the site right now. And he said that when he Eric Eric lost a son, a stillborn son, and he said one of the guys, he, first guys he called was Tom Ryan. And um, I thought that was interesting on a lot of levels. You know that Eric thought enough of Tom to call him. Uh, Tom was the, a good enough man that. You know, it was not an Ohio State, Oklahoma State thing. It was two fathers who have grieved. You know, and the amount of respect you could just hear in Eric's voice about Tom Ryan is, um, I mean, when he was talking about him, it wasn't like he's a great coach, he does a great job recruiting, you know, any of that stuff. It was, he was a really, really good friend when I needed one. So um, that really stuck out to me in that interview. And then when you brought that up, it, it really, really hit home. So um, Tom Ryan's, I think he's a better person than he is a coach, and he's a damn good coach. So I don't mean that in any way as an insult on that category. It's just I think he's a special guy who's who's built some pretty amazing relationships with people. Yeah, absolutely. And, we, you know, we talk uh, about the depth of their lineup throughout the year. One of the things he said to me Friday night, he said if if every guy in their lineup, if they're wrestling well, he thinks they can win the national title. Well, you know, sure. Each guy, each yeah. guy, and and oh, oh he no, thinks he has ten champions. Got, yeah, he doesn't think he has ten champions, but he doesn't think that it's out of the question that that uh, any of those guys, you know, with the right tournament, that they could win the thing. Now, some are going to be harder than others. I mean, you mentioned some of the guys that seem like you know virtual locks right now. I mean, you know, Zane Rutherford and in, in the distance that he's put between himself and and everybody else. That, in the field at 149, Nolf at 157, uh, 65 has some animals there at the top. And we never uh, give you know, Dean Heil enough credit, too, right? Right, right. We, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, uh, certainly, that's a, 
you know, that was a statement to me that uh, I thought was pretty bold, but also, you know what, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's all that outlandish that, uh, you know, you don't look at anybody on that team that, like, if they're there on Saturday night, is that a wild statement, you know, that, you know. Yeah. I, I wrote down who, where we have them ranked, um, and I'll read them off in, in numeric order, not weight order. First, 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 second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, ninth. So we would have them with nine All-Americans and Tayshawn Campbell um, in the round of 12. So, yeah. But we'd have them with four in the finals, you know, two more wrestling for third, two more wrestling for fifth. Here's what's crazy. Yeah. Here's what's crazy. That team might not win it. Right. Right. You know, and what's absolutely, you know, just as crazy is if you had said on March 20th or 25th or whatever, you know, April 1st, April 1st to be safe. Sure, sure, (laughs) sure. That, uh, you know, that Penn State would be an underdog at this point on paper. Sure. When you, but, okay. But a lot has changed there. You look at, you look at what has changed since then. Two ads and one subtract. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Two big ads and one, one big subtraction. Yes. Yeah, you add, you know, 41 and 65, and you subtract 25 on the other side, and those are gigantic, gigantic swings. I mean, I think even if Penn State still had Suriano, they would We're, be the favorite. Yeah, it's about dead even on paper then in the rankings. Yeah, but then it comes to the bonus. And then it right. comes to the bonus, and, you know, Penn State's – and, they've, you know, they've gotten the job done numerous times. And you also see an opening for more points at 97, too, there. I mean, Ohio State's – Ohio State's not going to score any more placement or advancement points than what we're already giving Colin Moore credit for. So Right. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, though, because Ohio State's capped out at three weights, and Penn State's capped out at four weights, you know, where they can't score any more points than where we have them ranked. So, yeah, um, yeah it's going to be an amazing team finish, I hope, team race. And it'll be interesting to see where they start the finals because – I mean, if if we have these things, if they wrestle to their seeds or rankings, these guys are going to have a, you know, Penn State's going to have five in the finals again, and Ohio State's going to have four. You know, and I mean, so it almost doesn't matter where you start. You know, they're, you know, it's not going to be very far before you hit one of those guys one way or the other. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, that's a. It, it's how they how teams schedule is really interesting like i was actually talking to somebody about this today i'm like when your team's not very good you kind of want to wrestle the good teams as many times as you can get your tail kicked in get the film be able to study it and learn how to catch them and then when we when merrimack we were like a top 15 top 20 top 10 team that's how we looked at it when we had like a number two three ranked team we didn't care if we ran into those guys we're like we're the better guys if we wrestle one time we're going to win. So why would we want to give you nine cracks at us? Yeah. And so, you know, I think I think the team that, that is scheduled like that the most the last couple of years is Penn State. You know, because they're not going to any of those Christmas events, are they? I'm going to check their schedule. I think they're at the scuffle. I think they're back to the scuffle this year. But they weren't last year, right? And they, and they weren't at Reno were, last year either. They were going to go to Reno last year. And the weather, Until, weather prevented yeah. it. Yeah. Then they got stuck in the airport, I think, in, in Washington. Yeah. 
BC. So, but I mean, they don't over schedule. I mean, they go to like the Keystone Classic. I mean, and, and no disrespect, but that's not Vegas. You know, I mean, but they have the best. They have the best guys at a lot of weights on paper, and I also think those that program really believes they don't need the competition to get better. That the practice room they can really really improve. Penn State will be at the Southern Scuffle, indeed. Good. Yeah. Okie State won't be there, and Cornell won't be there, right? Okie State will be in Naples the next week, and Cornell will be at the South Beach Duels. Cornell is at South Beach. Minnesota is at South Beach. Missouri is at South Beach. North Carolina. Uh, we can give the rundown. Michigan State will be in South Beach. I will be in South Beach. Who will? Um, oh, you will? I, I will be. Oh, okay. That's nice. Yeah, good yeah. for you. Um, <laughs> let me see here. Who else? Uh, Binghamton, Columbia, Cornell, Franklin and Marshall, Kent State, Michigan State, Minnesota, Missouri, North Carolina, North Dakota State, Ryder, SIU, Edwardsville now, on the list there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you say that you know, it's not a tournament format, that it's basically – get in as many duels as you want against the teams that you don't normally see? Yep. Yeah, so uh, let's see, North Carolina and talking to Tony Ramos last night, Coleman Scott, they're going to wrestle Minnesota. They're going to wrestle Missouri. They're going to wrestle SIU Edwardsville and Michigan State. Minnesota will have North Carolina. They'll have Cornell. Uh, Minnesota will wrestle Columbia and Minnesota – We'll also wrestle Binghamton. Um, Let's see here who else we have on the docket. I'll be a homer if you can find them. Who does Missouri wrestle? Missouri competes against Kent State, North Carolina, Ryder, and Cornell. Yeah, so I mean, so there won't be a champion, and you won't necessarily get matchups that you want individually, but... I assume it's a two-day event. You get two-day yep. weigh-ins as a coach, two duels each day, so your guys aren't getting beat up. Um, I think you were the one that told me that, like, Rob Colmo's guys, like, Airbnb'd a mansion or something like that with a basketball court. So, yeah, that was the plan at the beginning, yep. Yeah. So, you know, the, it's the, that's literally the whole definition of trying to keep it fun, right? So, you know, everybody's trying to have fun and – I mean, I'm, I would imagine that if you had to go to an assignment in December, it's a lot better there than Alaska, that you'll be covering it. Um, <laughs> when you said, I will be there, I thought for a second you said, Iowa will be nope. there. I know. I, nope. I, I was like, wow, they left the Midlands? Like, holy cow. I was like, I thought that, I thought I lost, I knew I misheard something nope. there, yeah. 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 Yep. In addition, there's going to be a, there are going to be 10 high school duels or 10 high school teams competing in the high school duel format of this as well. So that would be pretty cool. Some teams from Florida, uh, <laughs> looks like most of the teams from Florida. So, so it would be good to get out and check out some Florida high school wrestling. Florida high school wrestling, David, man, that uh, we've good. seen tremendous improvement, I think, out of wrestling in, in high school wrestling in Florida here in the last several years. And see, one see, of the guys – Go ahead. Go ahead, David. No, I say junior college coaches have known for a long time how good that area is because there was a lot of kids that came out of there that, um, you know, maybe English was, you know, not their native language, and they would just come in and kill guys in JUCO, you know. Uh, and I think they were Division One talented. They just academically didn't make the clearinghouse. But, yeah, 
you know, those programs are getting better and better, and and they're sort of free reign for people to recruit them because they don't. There's no school that has in-state tuition to have a head start on them. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the guys that uh, deserves a tremendous amount of credit for Florida's rise in recent years, Mike Palazzo, down at Lake Highland Prep. Lake Highland Prep finished third at the Beast of the East. Right. Uh, probably a, uh, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I imagine that there were there was a little bit of disappointment uh, from the standpoint that uh, Lake Highland Prep, you know, maybe didn't quite reach the point total that that, that team could have on paper. Uh, Joey Silva, the top-ranked 132-pounder in the country, uh, got uh, kind of kicked in the face in the semifinal last seconds of that and didn't get a chance to wrestle in the finals. So it was a shame we didn't get to see him in the finals. But uh, uh, nonetheless, you look at where that program started and where it is now. Mike Palazzo at one point had three guys on his varsity roster. Wow. Now, wow. now they're you know a perennial top ten program nationally. Yeah. Uh, you know, just a tremendous job there. My man, Greg Cadillac Wallace, uh, doing <laughs> such a tremendous job on the high school insider, uh, for us. He, he, uh, knocked it out of the park a year ago on the Mac and SoCon notebook week after week. Tremendous stuff from him there. He's on the high school insider beat this year, David, and he's got a piece up now on Lake Highland Prep and, and how Mike Palazzo built that program. Also some interesting stuff from the Minnesota Christmas Tournament. Uh, that tournament, David, came down to uh, heavyweight finals. It was uh, Anoka and Simley separated by half points, came down to heavyweight final. But also in there you talk about how every second sometimes can matter. Tyler Eichens reversed Nate Larson with like a split second left in the final at 152 pounds to take a 6-0 lead to 8-0 to get the major decision for Anoka there. Oh, wow. Proved to be the difference in the team race. So tremendous stuff up there. Gable Stevenson continues to mow people down. <laughs> five falls in 5-0-3 up there. So he wins his third Christmas tournament title there. Uh, but lots of uh, incredible stuff going on in the high school and the things We've been uh, fortunate to have a lot of that on track wrestling. Yeah. So the Beast of the East was awesome. Got a couple big tournaments coming up here later this week. The Dvorak Memorial in Illinois, the Zinkin Classic out in California. Some hammers from both states going to be competing in those. We're going to have those live on track wrestling. We're going to have coverage of those. Uh, so if you don't have anything that uh, you're watching this weekend, you want to watch some wrestling, there's going to be some high-level stuff. And we're going to be streaming live, so yeah. keep an eye on those. Anything else you want to hit this week, David? Yeah, I want to thank uh, Mark Manning in, in Nebraska, Brian Snyder, and uh, Jordan Burroughs. Um, that was we kind of kept that on the down low, just in case it didn't work out with schedules. But um, I went up there with uh, an ex-Nebraska, ex-Merrimack wrestler, Jason High. Uh, we, I went through Kansas City and went up there, and um, Coach Manning and Snyder invited us to practice. Got to watch them train, and then uh, uh, Coach Manning went to dinner with us, and just the guy's awesome. I mean, he's just the definition of high-level energy and, and just great stories and, you know, didn't have a cocktail or anything all night. I mean, just told stories all night. It's super, super – I mean, really just one of the – my ribs hurt. I had so much fun. And then uh, – 
you know, we got I got to interview Jordan the next day uh, with Coach Manning side by side, and some of the questions I got to ask those guys about each other and to get to see their reactions on camera. Um, I, I think you might have been proud of me, Andy. I think I might have done okay. So um, it was it's a really cool relationship, and to listen to them talk about it was uh, was was a, definitely. A high point in my very very short journalistic career so far. Awesome, looking forward to it. I I love listening to Jordan Burroughs, and you know, like I said about Tom Ryan, the, the interviews with Jordan Burroughs is those are conversations. Yeah. You know, and there's there's so much to talk about about his story, and uh, he's so charismatic, so articulate. It's it's just a blast to listen listen to him talk. We got a chance to ask him about, uh, you know, the lineage at 74 kilos. Got a chance to ask him about um, what he thinks about competing, like, you know, with, with the Russians being kicked out, kicked out of the Winter Olympics and knowing you're competing against guys who are probably juicing. You know, how does the competitor in you balance out, you know, with the sportsman in you? You know, hey, fair is fair versus taking on all comers. And, uh his answers were really interesting. Um, I mean, really interesting. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a guy that's, you know, been around a lot of guys. And, um, you know, whenever you do those interviews, you just hope you don't get, you know, the canned, you know, push the button in your neck answer. And I probably want to thank those guys as much as anything for that. Like, they, they gave us real answers and and. And the same thing with Eric Guerrero. His interview is up right now, and it's I've known Eric forever, and I've I've never seen him that that open. Um, so it meant a lot to me because, you know, he didn't have to do the interview, and it was, uh, you know, those 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 are cool moments for somebody like me that hasn't been doing this very long. So I, I want to thank those guys. Great stuff, David. Uh, you bring up Burroughs, and it triggered something in my mind. We're uh, doing a little bit of a promo on social media right now. One of the things that we're going to be rolling out here in the next couple of days is a series called 20 in 17, where we're going to be looking back at uh, 20 of the most memorable matches that occurred on track wrestling that were streamed on track wrestling this year in 2017. And uh, there's a couple of things on Twitter and Facebook right now. Uh, look for those. We would love to have your feedback as an audience of what you, you know, matches that you enjoyed this year. We got a few in mind already. Snyder, Sajalaya, Burroughs, Sabalov. Uh, the heavyweight final in Paris was unbelievable. Thompson Teske was incredible. Yeah. Uh, some stuff at the Beast of the East. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see the highlight clip that we put up of Kurt McHenry, David. Yeah. Unbelievable. That guy's Usain Bolt in wrestling shoes, how fast he is. <coughs> well, John Morrison's a good buddy of mine, and he coached him last year, and he, he, that's exactly how he described me. He's like he's lightning, you know, just so so talented. And he's not just athletic, though. Like his redirects and his counterattacks and snaps, they're all super, super fundamentally sound. It's just when you get yeah. someone who's very, very athletic, who does things technically near perfect, that's an awfully – hard combo to beat you know so yeah yeah that was one of the one of the really cool things for me being out there this weekend yeah is you got the one versus two matchup in the finals at 113 pounds Kurt McHenry against Trevor Mastro Giovanni 
of Blair Academy. And I don't know how much taller Mastro Giovanni is than McHenry, but uh, at least, probably about a head taller. And, you know, I, I'm fooling around with a camera a little bit and taking some photos. And one of the ones that we had that really struck me is, is uh, you know, going through all the ones, all the frames that I took over the weekend was the one that was posted with the, the final beast recap. Yeah. Where it looks like those guys are about five weight classes apart. It's, it's incredible. I wrestled, uh, but, I, yeah. I wrestled a kid in my senior year in the state finals who was six foot two. In what weight were you? 135. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and now he's like, he ended up being a division two all American and he's built like a bodybuilder now. And, um, we have a lot of mutual friends and those guys are always teasing me about if I want a rematch and I'm like, I'm good. I want <laughs> no part of that dude, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah, that was great. And you talk about favorite matches and this is a complete biased Homer answer, but you know, I think my favorite matches of the year that were on track were, uh, watching, uh, Savion Severado make his run to the finals in, in the Greco junior world, just cause you know, I have a relationship with that family and, to go from being an alternate to uh, to making it like that, and I mean, his his dad and I are, are really good friends, and his you know his, his dad's a really cool guy, but he's also like one of these really awesome, excitable guys. Like when you talk to him, like he's the kind of guy that has a laugh that makes you laugh, and just to hear the joy in his voice as his you know son was progressing each round. I mean, he told me he goes, "I was just hoping he'd win a match," you know. And then, you know, and I mean, I think they sort of had realistic expectations, right? You know, like he got the call late, you know, he'd hurt his knee at at, at the Greco or the freestyle trials that, you know, you and I were at and he wasn't even a hundred percent, you know, you know, you just, you know, you have to sort of be realistic and then for him to go in the complete opposite direction and, and to watch how that's affected his confidence as a young man you know, really for the rest, you know, for the rest of his life, you know, to kind of believe he belonged on this upper echelon with guys like the guys on his team, like, you know, like DJ, like Josh, like Malik, you know, like Vinny. It's, it's uh, it, you know, and, and I, you know, I'm just friends with those kids. It's not like I really have anything to do with it, but it was awfully cool to watch that on the outside looking in. Good stuff, David. Like I said, uh, for our audience, if, if you have some match of the year candidates, we would love to hear them. So hop on to social media, hop onto the Track Wrestling Twitter account or Facebook account. Look us up on there. We've started the thread already. We'd love to hear your feedback. So, you know, like I said, we, we streamed hundreds of thousands of matches. I'm sure there are some that we're not thinking of. But uh, if you can give us your feedback, we're going to go back and sift through all the matches and the ones that we get suggestions of try to form that 20 and 17 list that we'll be starting here in a couple days. So David, anything else? One just quick thing that buzzed through my head. You're talking about that. When I had Jaden on a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how he got caught in that trap arm gut and almost lost in the first round of worlds. And, you know, you obviously know this, you were there they needed every single match and every single place point to win the, world team titles. I mean, that's kind of an interesting match to probably go back and watch in retrospect too. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, there's a, there's a million of those there, I'm sure. But, you know, obviously the ones that were, you know, the people or you've had a chance to talk to them kind of stick out in your head a little more. So, yep. 
Um, other than that, I don't know what the politically correct way to say happy holidays or Merry Christmas or whatever it is, but um, I've had an absolute blast doing this with you, Andy, and I, you know, it's a pleasure to call you my friend and a mentor, and I just really enjoy doing this. Absolutely, and I share the same sentiments, and we certainly appreciate all of our listeners as well for tuning in this year. It's not our last podcast of 2017, but it's our last before Christmas. And we want to wish you all Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we will be back in a week, sometime next week. I don't know whether to be on our regularly scheduled time on Tuesday. I have to work around my travel schedule for South Beach Duels, but uh, what was you? <laughs> we will be back. We will be back at some point in 2017, and breaking down the holiday tournaments, previewing those. And uh, looking back at some of our top memories for 2017 as well. So, David Mirkatani, thank you as always. Thanks, Andy. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Likewise. Merry Christmas to all of you. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.